Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Hey, good morning. I'm Pastor Andre, one of the uh, pastors on the preaching team, and um, today, you know what, we're going to do some work. It just hit me as I was listening to uh, Sister Jess's testimony about how Psalm 23 has impacted her life. I just realized a couple things, but let me just say it in the form of a question. What, what is it about our testimony that is so powerful? Just chew on that for a second. Now let me ask you another question. What is it about his testimony through us that gives him the glory? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are um, just humbled and honored that you would have woke us up this morning and all of eternity to bring us here in this moment. The fullness of the minutes that make an hour and the hours that make what we call a day, we don't even fully understand and grasp the full concept of that. What I wonder sometimes, Lord God, is is that as you're patient with us, Lord, as you give us eyes to see, as you continually work with us, provide for us, and show us your sovereignty, Give us the space to ask questions, to know you better. Sometimes I wonder if that's just not how you've designed it all. That maybe some of the things that cause tension and pain are purposed so that we can come to understand your grace and your comfort. That maybe in the seeming dark places where there seems to be no light or that we might not be able to see, you can present yourself in a way to push the darkness back. Lord God, our world is just, it's a world that we're in. But you're with us. And so I'm not going to get like some and crazy fear about apocalyptic times and all of that stuff. I'm going to celebrate the fact that you are with us. I'm going to celebrate that even when we see these things going on in our world, Lord, that you have given us not only through tradition, through history, and through other people who have written tremendous songs and times of travail, you indeed have given us a testimony that needs to be written and told. Lord God, you've made it that way through your church as your vehicle to execute your love. So, Lord God, let us never take a posture of saying what's going on in this world because we know it's a sinful world and we know that progressively, progressively as sin continues, progressively things like life are not measured as they should be. Relationships are not cherished as they could be. Resources aren't shared as they should be. 
Lord God, be patient with us, Lord, as we go through this 23rd Psalm and try to unpack the truth of what you would have for us on this day, that it would impact our person, our life, spiritually, that it would give us the fortification to live out this life and help us to do it well. That we would leave this place encouraged, empowered, and strengthened, and knowing, and knowing that we're owned by you. Hallelujah. For what is a sheep without a true shepherd? All this we lift up in your precious name, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know, as I think about all of the stuff that's happening in our world, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, right? But historically, the truth be told, that Christianity has always, always flourished under persecution. And so that gives us a tremendous opportunity in these times to make a stand and to say some things. I think far too many times we look back and say, oh, you're crazy. Oh, that's wrong. You're bad. And we kind of keep our arms length away. But can you imagine if Jesus did that? In Psalm 23, as David was a teenager, he's sitting there and he's looking at his flock of sheep, his dad's sheep, Jesse. He's looking at these sheep. And in looking at these sheep, he is thankful because the care that he would provide these sheep would only be founded on the care that God provided to him. Might I say, the opportunity as believers is very much, very, very, very much intentionally set for the day that we are in. It's not just good enough to watch the news and say, oh man, just crazy stuff is happening. It's not just good enough to be out in the world and seeing crazy things happen. No, we have to promote life. If no one's to stand, we are to stand because we've been fortified to live. The Psalms is about all of these different people in different situations in life who came to the realization that whether it be their angst, whether it be their troubles, whether it be their joy, they could always, 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 always take it to God. And truth be told, as they took these scenarios to God, they come to realize that God was right there. He's right there. And because God was right there, what a story to be told. What? Andre, you have a unique story that God is writing through your life to share with people that he puts in your life? Absolutely. I once had this guy share with me that the character and measure of an individual is what they do in times of travail. Let's look at a fire. A fire takes place. Character is tested if you're the guy that runs to it or away from it. That really convicts me. Because when I see the, the fires that are taking place in our world on a day-to-day -day basis, what is my posture? Well, I know what Christ did, right? In Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his love, yet while Dre, Andre was still sinning, Christ died for me. So when I was up in flames, Christ ran to me. David has such a powerful story as he's reflecting on who God is in his life. And what I want to do is uh, there's a book, and some of you might have heard of it. It's a book by a gentleman named Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd's Look. It's Psalm 23. 
And so as we talk about these things, I'm going to share some things with you guys. I'm going to share some of my issues. And to this point, one of the biggest issues I've had in my life is pickleball, but I'll unpack that. <laughs> Don't judge me. I'm going pro someday. <laughs> and he shared some of the practical illustrations of being a shepherd and what that looks like as it relates to, to the 23rd Psalm. And so by God's grace, hopefully, we can do work today. Amen? Amen. So if you look at the title of today's sermon, the title is, is, Is He Really? Is He Really? And before you go and jump off the bus and answer the question, but is He really God? Is He really your shepherd? Or is he relegated to the object of your affection and emotions on Sundays? Or maybe before you eat at the supper table. Is he really your shepherd? David spends a lot of time on that. But as I was looking at our world, as we look at our world, as I was looking at uh, Mr. Keller in his book, he makes, he makes this very, very staunch claim. And he says it this way. He says, it is a tragic truth that many people really have never come under his direction or management claim that the Lord is my shepherd. They seem to hope that by merely admitting that he is their shepherd, somehow they will enjoy the benefits of his care and management without paying the price of forfeiting their own fickle and foolish way of life. Wow. Is he, is he truly your shepherd? He starts off with Psalm 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 1 is very, very powerful. Because in verse 1, the word for Lord there is Yahweh. In the Testament of old, God's name was not even uttered, for it was too holy to be uttered by human lips. But yet in that quiet time, as David was coming to reflect on his Lord, as he would provide care to his sheep, he knew God to be his shepherd. Psalm 8 says it this way. In verses 3 and 4, it says, When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? God the Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Paul writes it this way, Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. God the Holy Spirit, the agent who discerns the mysteries of God to us that we might know God, the parakletos when Jesus left his disciples, the comforter that would come and empower them and give them comfort as they continue to minister in a world that want not, not to hear what they had to say. Matthew chapter 16, 16 and 7. And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you 
but my Father who is in heaven. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The first three verses, David tells us that he's belong, he belongs to God. As believers, have you ever taken a moment to just stop and pause on the truth that you belong to someone? Don't get it twisted. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to someone, which means that the very nature of who you are, there's an obligation for something. Is he your shepherd? I told you I'd talk a little bit about pickleball. It occurred to me that um, lately I've been playing, and I've been playing quite a bit actually, and um, in my mind, you know how in your mind you think you're better at something than maybe, maybe others might not agree with you? <laughs> I actually think that they're all foul liars. <laughs> I think that I'm absolutely amazing when it comes to pickleball. I do. I've got, you know, you got the forehand, you got the backhand. Just love the game. Love to hit hard. But what I realized is I realized that in order to play with a partner, you got to die to self. You see, I was getting it twisted because what I'd like to say from a spiritual standpoint is I'd like to say that God's got me, right? But the way it flushes out in my life, I want him to have my back, which means that I'm in the driver's seat. See how that worked? The reality is, is if God's got me, he's the driver. And so me and my wife are playing. And I come to realize I'm, I'm pretty competitive. I'm getting a little bit older, 25-ish, a little bit older. Wow. Not really? Y'all just did that, really? I thought we were fam. Y'all really just did that. Okay. <laughs> I don't exactly move the way I used to move. And so, like, um, if I had my pickleball attire on, there's a lot of compression stuff, you know, because joints hurt. But what I realize is that when you play doubles, you're only as good as the chemistry between you and your partner. What I realized is that in order to be successful in that game, it's not I, it's we. What's interesting, though, is I'm, I'm aggressive. I'm very aggressive. And so when I started the game, I realized, with a little tennis background, I realized that if I hit the ball hard, I can overpower many people. But I started to notice that those people are all at a certain level. Once you start playing with people who are at a higher level, you come to realize that no matter how hard I hit the ball, they're just blocking it back. Okay, Andre, did you get it out? Did you get it out? Did you get your attention out? I mean, that's nice. That's hard, but it's not doing anything. It's interesting to me because I think that sometimes we look at, look at God that way. I think sometimes what we do is we say, we say, God, if I do this more, then you've got to show up. And it's such a slight thing that we, we get it confused. We think it's almost noble because especially if it's something that he's called us to do, like he's called me to teach and preach the Bible. And so just maybe if I study the Bible more, just maybe if I preach more messages, just maybe God will be glorified more through Andre. But before all of that, guys, before all of that, he's just called me to do one thing, to trust and follow him. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, 
David is saying something that's profound. He is saying that he belongs to someone. Who do you belong to today? Comfort of these chairs, we can say we belong to God. We're in a worship scenario. We're in a, a church family. We can say that and we're comfortable in saying that. But as soon as we go out there in the world, can they tell? These are all questions that I ask myself, and I don't stand as one who has got them all answered rightly. But if truth be told, we've got to be about his business, amen, and not our own. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Do you know that it's almost impossible to get a sheep to lay down? A lot of things have to happen. They have to feel safe. Can't have fear. They can't be hungry. There can be no agitation amongst each other. It's interesting. It sounds a lot like the church family when you really think about it. But God knew that we were going to have our issues. He knew some of us are going to want to raise our head and bow our chest. And he knew that some of us wouldn't be good stewards of treating one another and celebrating one another for our distinctives. He knew all of that. And so what he did is he said, I love you in spite of that. And I'm going to send my son Jesus to show you what the expectation is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And what David comes to realize, David comes to realize no matter what he traverses, what bad trial that he endures, no matter what happens, he knew that in the provision of who God was, his good shepherd, guess what? He was okay. Are you okay? Are you okay? Let me ask you this. Are you so okay about who God is in your life that you'll go and tell somebody else who isn't? Are you so okay that God has got you that you don't mind getting dirty with someone else as they come to realize that God can have them too? What? It changes everything, doesn't it? How we watch the news, how we relate in our workplaces, it changes everything. It is no longer a justified, as if it were, it is no longer a justified position for the Christian to say, that's crazy and do nothing about it. Because I got to tell you, there's some people out there. There's the ignorance of knowing God and choosing him not. And depravity comes. Paul talks about that Romans 1, 15 through 20. Don't take my word for anything. Look for yourselves. But then there's the ignorance of just not knowing what you don't know. And so when we see all of this chaos going on in our world, and we know because God has told us what it's going to be, are we willing to be the ones to go tell are we the ones, are we willing to be the ones to get dirty? Because I know that when you deal with sheep, it's dirty work. Amen? And that's what we're called to do. It's to reflect what God has done for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. I so much love the second part. Of verse 2. You know, sheep are very interesting animals. Some people refer to them as dumb, but I don't want to go there because I don't think David looked at his sheep as being dumb because I don't think as a sheep that he believed that God looked at him as being dumb. I'll just say that sheep do some things by nature that logically we as humans don't understand. And I'll leave it at that. But not even between humans and animals. I have some things that I do that my wife doesn't understand. And vice versa. 
So he leads me to the quiet waters. He restores. He restores my soul. Have you ever heard of a cast sheep? Not a farmer. That was interesting in the research. A cast sheep is usually a pregnant sheep or a sheep who has fallen and can't get up themselves. And when the shepherd sees that, he goes to that sheep to get them upright. There's tremendous, tremendous spiritual ramifications. Romans 5, 8, right? I said it before. Yet while I was a sinner, Christ died for me. That is the gospel. As we look at what's going on in our world, we can make the deduction that there's a whole lot of people without a shepherd. And if that be the case, all we have to do is remember when we were shepherdless. Somebody prayed for you. God used a scenario or situation for somebody to come to you and to tell you about himself. Can you imagine if we did that in our world? But wait a minute, Andre, our world is volatile to the gospel. Yep, and that's been told to us too. In fact, it's been told to us that it's going to be real tough. But again, we start off the conversation, right? If we look back historically, when has Christianity grown the most? During persecution? Is it when we're taken out of our comfort zone? That by faith we come to realize a comfort in Christ? Is it possible that when we suffer pain, we come to realize the grace that's in Christ? Every time. And is that message worth telling someone who is undergoing those scenarios? Absolutely. And why? Because we remember when we were there. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The end of verse 3, we talk about righteousness. Righteousness means without a hollow spot, without a hole. The picture would be like the hull of a ship or a boat. When it has a hole in it, it loses integrity, which is the English equivalent of that word for righteousness. As believers, we had many holes. But in Christ, we are made complete. <laughs> Our ministry is to people with many holes. We have to tell them the truth that they can't self-correct and point them to the good shepherd who can provide them care. Amen. Can I get real with you? Everybody sitting here knows somebody who knows Christ not. Might be in your family. Might be your spouse. Might be your coworker. Is God so much your shepherd that your heart is inclined toward that person to be brought into the fold? Or is God so less your shepherd that your comfort level of telling his story, is that what stops you from sharing the gospel? Ladies and gentlemen, this hits, hits me right to the core. Because sometimes what happens is I get busy with life. I get busy with my agendas. I get busy with those noble things that I have chronicled on a piece of paper that I want to accomplish and say, God, look what I did. But the more and more I study his scripture, the more and more I look at the psalmist, I come to realize that they were not interested in their own agendas. 
They could care less in what was to come. All they were trying to do is capture the moment. And it seems like every single one of them defined their sequence of moments, whether it be joy, whether it be suffering, whatever the case might be, they measured those things by who God was and is. Because a relationship is that real. Because they made the commitment of understanding truly that he is the good shepherd. Okay, so I've couple, um, on Thursday nights, a couple of men and myself get together. And what we're trying to do is we're just trying to study God's word. And we're trying to understand what that means to us as men. Now, ladies, I'll get to you in a, in a, in a second, because your role is so, so primarily necessary for us as men. It's ridiculous. But as men, God has given us a capacity to do some things. I want to share something with you. I didn't share this last service, but it just hits me that I need to share this with you. So my, my daughter and her family live in a house in Avondale that we raised her and her brothers in. And so they kind of, they live in that house now, for, rent it from us. The weekend, last weekend, there was an intruder in their home. And he had uh, gotten through through the back window. And so my daughter, who's a light sleeper, she is uh, with child, actually. And so I'll be a grandpa for the third time, August 3rd, which is pretty awesome. Which is also my 20-year anniversary, which is even more awesome. As a guy, I'm trying to figure out which one I celebrate going forward. And guys know where I'm going with that. I have no idea which one to celebrate. I really don't. Well, as it were, as it were, this gentleman came into the house, and this was a little bit after 10 o'clock, and the family had been sleeping. And my, my daughter was awoken because he had a flashlight. And so Kaya wakes up, and, and, and she, she yells, what are you doing in here? Now, my son-in-law, Ben, is a bit of a light sleeper, or a heavy sleeper, and so she really wrestled to get him open, but get him up. But what happened is, is as soon as Ben got up, um, in the capacity in which men are created, he got up um, and he scared this intruder out of the home. What's interesting is what happened afterward. So the next day, my granddaughter, Ariana, as my daughter was talking to her about what happened, and by the, my, by the way, they were, the granddaughters were sleeping, three and one years old. They slept through the whole thing, through the yelling and all that stuff. They slept through the whole thing. And Ariana goes, she goes, she goes, Mom, she goes, Mom, yesterday I saw, I knew that there was a bad man in the house, but there were two angels in my room. Okay, so I'm not going to get all mystical on you. I'll just say it to you this way. Children... Um, are not jaded like we as adults can become. And I believe that God shows children things. I believe that the scripture talks very significantly spiritually when it says that unless we become like them, we're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew, right? And so my family was protected. My daughter and her family, they were protected. But then I go back and I think about it. We anointed that home. Men, 
you are obliged as a believer in Jesus Christ, as he is your good shepherd, you are obliged to set apart those things that are under your care to God. That is a method of providing protection to your family. Well, what do you mean we anointed the home? Yes, simply what I do with the homes that we have. We put a Bible in the highest place that we can. And me and my children, we went to each room. And if it was their room, we took regular, just regular oil, nothing particular about the oil. We made a sign of the cross in the room, and they led prayer for that space. And the gist of the prayer simply was, was that, God, this is yours. Protect the going ins and the coming out. And I truly believe that God honored that. Why? Because he's my shepherd. And I'm his sheep. Guys, this is real. It's real. If we just take and press into what we know to be true from the scripture and we apply it in our life, look out. Men, if we take charge of what has been entrusted to us to lead our families in a godly way as we continually submit to ourselves to be led, oh, look out. Game changer. Now, ladies, sisters in Christ, we guys got issues. And let me tell you how we have issues. Because by nature, we're aggressive. That's how we were created to be. We were created to be strong. We were created to protect our families. We we're created to do those things. But like anything, without someone showing us how to do it, we will always misuse it. And so God provided a helpmate. Someone who could complete us, who could say, hey, babe, you're a little bit left. You're a little bit right at dead center. Somebody who can encourage us. Someone who realizes that our heart's desire is to follow the true shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path for righteousness for his name's sake. It's not our story. It's his for his glory. Imagine, if you heard me say it before, imagine each and every person in this place is an individual extension of God's love. You're the only one who can live it out. The reason why Jess's testimony is so powerful is because uniquely it's her testimony given by God for his glory. The sooner we embrace that, the sooner we find a comfort level like never before, amen? Like never before. God's got you. He loves you. He has a purpose for you. He has a desire for you. He has a journey that he wants to take you on. He wants to do mighty things for you, and he's got you. David knew that. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Let's talk about the rod. Let's talk about the staff. The rod was used as a defensive tool. As the shepherd is looking on his sheep, if anything would come to do harm to the sheep, to the flock, he was ready to go to war. David's case, we know that he fought a bear, he fought a lion. Very successful in doing that. Goliath was nothing to him because God had sustained him. God had given him the tools. If you remember the story in Samuel, I believe, 17, Saul wanted to give his armor to him when he was going out there to fight Goliath. And what was David's response to him? He goes, I haven't traveled with these. Man, that's big. Because in order to truly know your shepherd, you will be defined by him. And those gifts and those things that you have been given, you will know how to use them specifically tailor-made for you because he gave them to you. And you don't have to make apologies for that. But you have to know how to wield them. You have to know how to use them. The staff 
What? The staff, the symbol of the shepherd. As they would traverse areas that might have been a little bit, little bit rocky, a little bit bumpy, maybe a little bit vertical. If a, if a sheep would go wayward, you look at the curvature on the staff and, and the extension of the shepherd's arm would be to reach that sheep and to bring it back into the fold. How awesome is that? That even as a sheep, as I go wayward, my, my Lord's got me. The good shepherd's got me with his staff. But yet at the same time, as a shepherd is leading the flock and they're following him, as he traverses pathways that might give him a little bit of a challenge, that staff is going to provide fortification for him to walk that course. What? Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You rod your staff. They comfort me. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You prepare a table. Usually in the summer months, it would be the goal of the shepherd to lead the flock to higher ground where it was cooler. But in leading them to higher ground, he would always want to lead them to a place where they could rest and recline, where they could nourish, where they could drink, where they could be safe. A mesa is what they call it. Flatland is what they call it where they can thrive. But God does that in the midst of our enemies. I got to tell you guys, that blesses my heart and my soul. Because when I feel like life is pouncing on me, when I feel like people are seeking to do me harm, I know that God's prepared a place for me not to be harmed. (laughs) And he's the host who's invited me to that place. And so I know that place will be true safety because he is the one who made the invitation. When your life is going bad, when seemingly you can see no way, know that God has got a way, and he's prepared it for you. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It seems like shepherds, when caring for their sheep, in order to provide comfort to their sheep, they take linseed oil, they take sulfur, They make this concoction to put on the noses of sheep because flies tend to really bother sheep. We talk about the Old Testament concept of anointing when we are set, we're taking out of the world and set to God. What a spiritual truth that is to know that we're covered by the true shepherd and that everything that he does is for our sustainment, for our comfort. My cup overflows. In inclement weather, sometimes when the, 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 the weaker sheep were, were down and out with the chills because of the inclement weather, it was not uncustom for the, the shepherd to take brandy and to mix it with a little bit of water and give it to the ewe. And, and as they drank it, it would revive them. God's word. Living water. We need it daily. It's one thing to eat the food that you got from the grocery store. It's quite another to eat his spiritual food, amen? Through his word. My cup overflows. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If a guy had to say it in one broken sentence, God's got you. He 
He's got you so much you cannot even imagine. The question is, is will you be got by him? Will you be got by him? You know where your efforts and your resources take you. You know how that all ends up. But now that you know that, are you willing to lay those things down and be captured by a God who wants to take you where you've never been? That one day you might say, for his glory, this is where I am. Everybody close their eyes, nobody looking around. This Psalm 23 has really captivated me. And it all goes back to that question. Is he really my shepherd? I want you to just hear the words, guys. You know where you are with the Lord. You know if you have to ask for forgiveness. Those of you who are here for the first time, what is this Christianity about? Well, Jesus is a good shepherd. He wants you to be a part of his pen, his, his flock. And he died for you. That you might know him. A song of David, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You set me apart to yourself, God. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then, God, you just got me. You got me, God. You got me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.